Hey, sister, welcome back to the Your Sorority Journey podcast. Today, I want you to find your power. Yes, I believe that you have power, a unique sphere of influence that I want to help you tap into so you can see change happen on your campus community and grow in your confidence of holding one another accountable in your community. Today's guest is just as passionate about helping you see your power and provide some fraternity insight. Guillermo Flores is the digital media director at Sigma Phi Epsilon Fraternity and creator of Fraternity Social Media, the sibling account to Sorority Social Media, of which Lynn is the creator. And as you have gotten to know her, Guillermo has been cheering her on in the background on our platform. And so it only feels right that we get to finally bring him on to the podcast. Guillermo is passionate about helping fraternity men and sorority women tell their authentic stories on all different different platforms, including social media and in peer-to-peer accountability conversations. He believes in the power sorority women have on campus and wants to give some insight to how they can take steps to see their communities stronger and rebuilt in this transition. Here is my conversation with Guillermo. Hey sister, Cassie Little here to welcome you to your sorority journey a podcast for sisters to find guidance and confidence in any season of their membership. Our rock star guests and I have intentional conversations, discuss unpopular topics, and provide relevant encouragement to be an extension of your sisterhood. So thanks for inviting us on your journey. Are you ready to dive in? Guillermo, welcome to the Your Sorority Journey podcast. I am so thrilled to finally have you on this platform. Oh, yes. Likewise, I'm so excited. I feel like I've been following you along since you started. So this is really, really cool. And I really appreciate the invite. Yeah, you know, I love engaging with other entrepreneurial people in the fraternity and sorority space, specifically in higher education, because it's like such a a daunting experience, I think. And I just totally believe like we got to be supporting one another. And while I consider myself like I'm going to stay out of the fraternity lane, I'm going to like stay in my sphere of influence and like expertise. I've loved keeping up with what you do with fraternity social media. And I'm excited to talk about that today as you have created a sorority branch too with Lynn, who our audience knows really well. Yes, you know, every time that you have Lynn on, I'm always cheering both of you on and it gets super exciting because, you know, you just have some really great conversations. So, yeah, you know, I feel like it's just a really great time to support each other and make sure that we're getting everyone ready for the fall and the new academic year. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, before we do get everyone ready for the fall, I would love for you to introduce yourself. Um, Talk through your um, journey through fraternity and sorority life. Um, Maybe touch on some of those roles that you held um, professionally to where your journey's taken you today. Yes. No, I I love that word. And just where I've been, I am a first-generation college student from the west suburbs of Chicago um, over in Villa Park. My parents came from Mexico in the 70s and in the 80s and have always had just such a supportive family life and people that I have connected with. I just uh, was Instagram DMing with my one of my high school teachers when we're talking about books so I always want to give back to the community and the people that have believed in me and I went to Southern Illinois University down in Carbondale Illinois where I joined Phi Capital Fraternity as a new member Um, we were a new group so did not know what a charter was 
did not know any of those pieces of what was going on with developing a new fraternity. But because of that, they really poured into me and said, hey, wow, we want you to be involved here and help out with recruitment and help out with PR and get invested. And then the overall whole Greek community did right away. As soon as, as, soon as my freshman year, it kind of went from leadership in high school to leadership in college through the fraternity and sorority community. You know, I was just texting my Greek advisor this morning, actually, just to catch up because those are people that have really helped me in my life. And I said, you know what, I can make this into a career. I graduated with um, a degree in public relations and speech communications. And then from there, um, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do next. So I went to graduate school at Ball State University where I was a um, fraternity story life graduate student in their office working with the higher ed program. I got to live in and be a house director for a fraternity. Oh I was boy. Like, no way I'm doing that because I remember with how our house director was and I'm like, that just sounds stressful. Ended up doing it. It was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. And I oh never would have thought I would have said that. I just loved it. And I got my master's. First job was at the University of Houston down in Texas, working with their fraternity and sorority community. Just such a special place where I saw students and leadership that looked like me and everyone mm. could say my name correctly. So I really appreciated that. Um, just being in a different part of the country with yeah. fraternity and sorority communities. Yeah. And then Michigan State recruited me. Uh, Michigan State, I got to be their fraternity and sorority head advisor for three years, working at a Big Ten campus, almost 5,000 wow. fraternity and sorority students, just a really life-changing and wonderful experience. And then the pandemic hit, and it was 2020, and just not sure where I was going. That's where I created fraternity social media, because I needed yeah. to get my ideas somewhere. I put them on Instagram. I want to help fraternity members and those who support them tell their story better. And then I had an opportunity to work at Sigma Phi Epsilon headquarters where I am now. So when ah. you think about journey and you talk about that, that is how it goes all the way in there. So, you know, shout out to SIGEP. <laughs> There's a little sticker. <laughs> and with that piece, now that's been the last, you know, four months of my life, just mm. getting ready for the academic year and getting ready to help, you know, students continue to tell their stories. Well, and when I think about a journey, right, I love it when our guests go, go all the way back to like being a first gen student and going through like not knowing much about what it even meant to be in a fraternity, taking that chance, like chartering an organization on your campus. And I mean, I didn't even know your major was in PR, right? Like look at like the trajectory of like that longevity, right? It maybe wasn't the fraternity social media wasn't the first thing you did, but throughout your experience in higher ed, those pieces of your life came to intersect and become now what you do for SIGAP. I think that's amazing. Yes, they kept tying back. And I just, I'm like, this is, this is happening. This is natural. This is what my degree was in. And I always pinpointed those different parts of what I was doing with presentations mm. or when I would be speaking or connecting with others. They're like, oh, this is good stuff. And I'm like, oh, great. I just, this is what I do. You know, you don't, you don't know what impact you have. Yeah. Well, and I, something that you have like reiterated every time, like I have gotten to interact with you is like that value of telling stories. Um, and how do you better showcase, not like the statistics of your fraternity or where you live or some of the more like Google-esque things that you can do. Right. But how do you actually give a glimpse into the experience through how you showcase that on social media and like even 
more than that, like not only just for the purpose of showcasing it on social media, but how are we actually cultivating those kinds of relationships that belonging within our organization and on our campuses. Um, and I just think it's so powerful to hear you like connect all those pieces. Yeah, I always say like people, people want to read stories and we always hear all these numbers and statistics, how you don't have much time to get someone's attention on social media. So when you have that and you're able to make that connection with, with the organization and read about them, people mm-hmm. want to learn about other people, especially now. Like yeah. we have been so distant from each other and we want to learn about those individuals and not just learn about those things that it's like, oh, this is really face value. It's like, no, people will, will read those long captions or stick with a story that's going to connect with them. And I, and I find that we just have to help students put that out there. So that's why, you know, I'm searching on social media. I'm looking at what's stopping my feed and I'm saying, oh, this is some really good stuff. That's so good. Especially because if it's, if you aren't getting stopped by it, I notice like if I'm following uh, someone that's like either parallel or like in the same field of what I'm doing, and I'm not even captivated enough to like read their whole caption, but I'm like learning from them. It's like, okay, I need to reevaluate who I am like looking to for inspiration and direction as I'm building a business. Because if the other people who are in the same field as me, aren't doing that for me, then if I'm trying to like copy or mimic that, then my audience won't do that either. Obviously we work with like different groups, people, right? Like, especially as you have created fraternity, social media, obviously you have are not foreign to the sorority space, having been there in Michigan state and Houston and ball state, but now you are like in fraternity world and I'm in a sorority world. I am super stoked to have you on today to talk about how we can work together and really like complement each other's organizations to build like a true community in our fraternity right. and sorority life spaces on our campuses. And so I would love to hear just from your perspective, where do you see sorority members influencing the either decisions or direction your fraternity men are taking in their fraternity experience, either through this experience, um, your new experience for Signify Epsilon or just on fraternity social media in general? Yes, absolutely. Like, you know, fraternity members, they're going to follow what, what, what the, what the sorority members, what they want or what they think they want. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if we're having conversations and saying, what do we actually want from this experience when it comes to safety, when it comes to parties. And you notice that I say parties, not events. I feel like we always try to sugarcoat the word events. It's like, it's parties. We're having parties, we're having tailgates, we're having all these different, you know, social events and activities that involve alcohol, that involve partying. And I think it's about having that, that conversation where we can start a new chapter of what a fraternity and sorority community looks like this fall. I think Mm. it is getting blown out of proportion that people think, and I don't know this myself because I haven't been through it yet this fall, where we think it's going to be very catastrophic this fall. And you're seeing this conversation about it's going to be the 20s again, you know, but now it's the 2020s because people want to let go and do all of that. But what I've been seeing is people are taking those precautions and they're making sure that they are, they're trying to do their best with safety because even in, in, in the past academic year, a lot of our groups were doing the right things. Yeah, they were trying, yeah. they were still making sisterhood and brotherhood and siblinghood something that was specific to their organizations, but they were trying their best to keep themselves and their members safe because they knew they had to go back home or they, they knew they need to go somewhere else. 
So when it comes to sorority members, like that's where so much of that leadership is intertwined, in my opinion, with, with, with females. Like, I think it's absolutely wonderful for women to be so leadership oriented. And I see that, and I see that every single day, whether that be working professionally or in my personal life, when I'm interacting with sorority members. Yeah. And I think sometimes, I don't know what your opinion, I mean, you have more experience than I on a campus in that space, but I don't think our sorority women actually realize that kind of power that they have, that leadership that they have been entrusted with. And I don't know if that's because fraternities date back previously, right? Sororities were like born out of this need for female community, just like the men were doing. But sometimes I don't see our women actually taking that ownership or like owning their power that they have in some of the behaviors that they tolerate, right? Or, and this isn't just like leaders in leadership positions either, right? I believe every member of our fraternity and sorority communities is a leader in their own right, in their own sphere of influence, in their own friend group, right? Like what you are like tolerating either by like not saying anything or challenging, you are like allowing to continue. What do you think? Maybe, maybe this is a dual part question. Like, why do you think our women like aren't realizing that they have that power? And what do you think is happening as a result of not utilizing it? Yeah. I I love that because, you know, I don't want to put all of the power on women to always fix men's problems, which I think is such an ingrained part of society. Yeah. And guys, that's where I love working with fraternity men. I'm like, I need you all to step it up because I know you can, and maybe mm-hmm. you haven't been challenged this way and you get to have all of this, you know, you get to have this platform of what it means to be a man in America, in this society in 2021. And a lot of, a lot of steps that comes with that platform. So because yeah. you have that, you get to get away with a lot where, in my opinion, women have to work harder. And I don't know why, you know, there's so many yeah. reasons behind that, but when women step up to the plate because they know that they have to, and they have to make sure to do their best parts. When you look at sorority structures, whether that be, you know, filling the house or recruitment or anything else, like they're set up for success because they have people who are there to help them out with that, but then also amongst their own communities. So Mm -hmm. I always feel like women have, have had to like do that work and get there and to make sure they they're, they're stepping up and doing that piece. And in my opinion, they don't, maybe they don't speak up to fraternity systems or the way that things are might be in our community because unfortunately they care about the tier system or what their group is going to think about if yeah. they screw over, screw over a fraternity or vice versa. Oh, we're not going to sure. do the next party with them, or we're not going to get paired up homecoming. with them for this or that homecoming. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it really is up to this generation and the current students to say, yeah, enough is enough when it comes to hazing or the way people are treated or the way people are talked about. Like they're just not, people aren't putting up with it anymore. And I'm really interested to see what this fall is going to look like. Well, and I don't know about you, but, or if you've seen this take place, but I know that when I was in college and I'll speak from personal experience, I thought that hazing was a paternity problem. I did not take ownership of the role first of all, of subtle hazing that is happening in sorority structures as well. Right. Um, or the role sorority women were playing like very aware that this is happening, but kind of like you said, like not my structure, not my place, not my problem. Um, but when we like are losing 
new members, like literally when new members are dying in our communities across the country, how are we not seeing that this is like part of our community, not just this isolated chapter? Like, no, that was our responsibility as a community holistically to take ownership of that. And even things like not as drastic as deaths, like, I mean, even like systemic racism that's happening in our organizations or, um, like cultural appropriation. There's yeah. a lot of other things that our organizations are very at fault for that if it's not our chapter, we're like, okay, well, thank God it wasn't us or thank God it wasn't my campus or my community, but it's still an organi- a greater organization and community that we're a part of, even at a national level, if yes. nothing else. You get this gift with being a sorority or fraternity member. So you need to do something with it. Mm. You get this absolute gift and connections and friendships for the rest of your life. And you get a lot of steps up that a lot of people in life don't get. So you need to do something with that. So when you can't just live in this bubble where it's like, well, you know, it's not my chapter or it's not our community or that's happening there (laughs) because it is happening everywhere. And you look at what, um, what we've been going through for years and years, like this can be the generation that says, you know, enough is enough. And we've already seen that, you know, I remember where, you know, last year there was a chapter that, you know, took down the really problematic chapter advisor because they're just like not putting up with it anymore. Mm-hmm. So the women got together and said, we do not need to be treated like this. I don't care if this is tradition or that power struggle. It's not about that, you know? And when women come together, it's absolutely powerful and, and amazing. And they're the role models in the Greek community of what it can be like in a, in a really great space. That is so good. When women come together, powerful things do happen. Not when we ignore problems or like say our prayers of thankfulness that it like wasn't us this time, right? Like instead of just like waiting for it to like phase out, why aren't we like, like you said, the generation that's going to put an end to specifically some of this really problematic tradition that's cyclical and not going to end unless someone makes a really hard stop has really uncomfortable conversations, right? Don't get me wrong. I don't think these are like easy changes to make, um, both in a sorority structure sense. And I think part of the sorority structure that we have accepted as part of tradition is like staying in our lane when I don't know if that's what accountability really is. Right. Exactly. And so I actually would like to talk about that kind of like shifting, what, how would you define or how, what do you think peer to peer accountability looks like in a fraternity or sorority community on a college campus? Yes. Number one, I don't think it's easy. I don't Mm. think it's easy because we're expected to, to be quiet and hush hush about what's going on in our communities. And everyone knows what's going on, especially those that are super involved or might be in those higher leadership positions, but they don't talk about it. But the moment where you understand that this is this is bigger than you and you're, you need to stop the cycle of trauma, of hatred, of abuse. You have so much power in that and it's not going to be easy. And you're going to think that the whole world is against you, but you have a team behind you. And there's been numerous times where I've had sorority women that would come into my office or set up a meeting and they would have those discussions with me where it's like, Hey, we know that this fraternity is hazing or my little brothers is being hazed right now by, by his fraternity. And I, I can't let this continue to happen. This yeah. has been real because now it has involved someone that's in my life. And I always say that there's so, there's so much support if people decide to speak up and it's going to get better on the other side. It's going to be a really hard climb up there 
whether you are getting help for you know a b c or d there's going to be support that's there and you're going to learn from this experience and it's always better to, to speak up sooner than later because then we could work to fix and put things back together because so many of us are hurting in different ways Absolutely. And I think just the simple example of like scheduling a meeting with your fraternity and sorority life advisor, right? Maybe bringing a sister with you is a really great example of like how to start tapping, tapping into your resources, into your supportive team that wants to be behind you and like having hard conversations and making change. Like the problematic behaviors that you are seeing as a sorority woman on your campus, your fraternity and sorority life advisors are seeing too, right? They just might not have the same lens because they aren't the peers of either the men or the other women who are causing some of these problem, problematic behaviors. And so when you're able to tap into your resources, I think that's when that team mentality starts to take form, right? We don't know who's behind us. We don't know what kind of support we have until we choose to like ask for help. So what do you think are some, some other ways or some other sources of support that these women can go to in trying to kind of like spark that change? Absolutely. There's been so many times where peer-to-peer accountability is very hard because you think you just have to do it and go right into it. There are problems that college students face or have been a part of that is way too big for them, whether that be um, sexual assault, whether that be hate crime related, something that has happened. Like, Don't let that all fall on your plate. I'll see some of our best leaders think that they can handle these really big issues with no support, but it's okay to say, hey, I I need help over here. Like, this is what's happening because when you're already like working to hold someone accountable, how do we bring other people in that have more information that are not biased, you know, that Mm -hmm. can bring in more perspective and help out. And I think people are so scared to get in trouble that then that's when it hits the fan because people you're are working so to scared. Yeah. People are so scared to get in trouble because they're working to like protect themselves or the traditional structure that's existed. Exactly. And when you don't know anything else or anything better, you're just going to stick and go along with it until something really bad happens or you just let it to continue to happen. So I always say, how, who are the, those, who are the people that you can confide in? for that help. You know, a lot of times if you go to a retreat with your, with your fraternity and sorority office, like they'll talk about those resources. You have to do something with that. You know, people aren't putting those programs together just to put them together. Like everyone's trying to bring those resources to you on your campus. And then you use something with them. And Mm -hmm. something else that a lot of people don't realize is maybe you don't want to talk to your campus. There's community resources where you live. Mm -hmm that could help some of those issues and some of those problems where if you don't want it to be school related or you don't want it to get back to the school or something like that, because people do get scared of that and that's real. There's other ways, there's, there's, there's hotlines or other resources yeah. that can help out. I really appreciate you bringing up that piece around um, sexual assault. I also think like mental health, hate crime all falls under that umbrella as well of areas that are 18 to 23 year old leaders don't need to carry that burden alone. And I remember being chapter president and hearing members come to me about some things and 
feeling the weight of needing to navigate this on behalf of my chapter, on behalf of that member, when really that is, that is something that we, there are departments at your institution for, if that's counseling, if that is um, Title IX, right? There are a lot of different departments on your campus that want to advocate for you. They want to support you and they want to support your members. And maybe that woman or that brother in your community came to you because that was a safer place to start than the campus resource. But just because they chose you doesn't mean you can't continue to redirect them or be a, a friend to them and join them in outreaching or asking for help with people who have experience and professional, um, yeah, professional experience supporting our students in that way. Yeah, and I think about what it looks like for when talking about support and our top leaders and chapter presidents. I just had this conversation with a chapter brother last week, and we said, we have got to work to support our outgoing presidents and leaders Oof, and chapters yeah. because, okay, you're done, bye, and then they're gone because yeah. they went through this extremely hectic year, then it's done, then either they get super involved with something else or they kind of just shut down. So what are we doing to support those outgoing chapter leaders? Yeah. And not just saying, hey, thanks, but hey, here's here's some things for you because you are putting everyone in front of you a lot of times yeah. and I've seen year after year. Thinking of the members in our chapter who might need a little bit more support, like our leaders, maybe our first generation students, like maybe our maybe our first generation that they are going Greek, right? Or transfer students, right? There's so many different like groups of our members that fall into the fraternity and sorority community that we can consider and do outreach to as, as a leader, right? Maybe considering those groups, but also as a community, right? If you're listening as a council leader, this could be something that you came together with, with other council presidents or your fraternity and sorority life advisor and say, Hey, I'm noticing there's like a need in this area for our entire community. Mm-hmm how do we work through those things? And I I think that really takes us to how I want to kind of like wrap up is thinking about what it would look like or what the outcome would be of peer-to-peer accountability on the community, what that would look like to rebuild a community through that peer-to-peer accountability. What do you think the outcome would be if the women who are listening to this episode today took the initiative to ask for help, seek resources, and challenge tradition that is really hindering the growth of their community. Now is the perfect time because we are, in my opinion, going through a rebirth, you know, where we've looked at things differently in the world and what it what it looks like. So when you are talking about peer-to-peer accountability, we have to start being proactive. You have to look at your calendar. You have to look at what, you know, what the red zone is, which is the first six weeks, you know, in a college campus where sexual assault is most prevalent. What are we doing to provide those resources so people are having those conversations and we're talking and we're bringing people in sooner than later? What are we doing to connect with with the mayor of your city? Mm. How can how can we be proactive and get people in before we have that really bad party or that messy cleanup that we have to do, or you know something really harmful happens, you know and we can't say we, we didn't try. And it's up to those leaders who are rising in the chapter. They're all, they're all doing their part. I always ask members, you all have a role in your chapter. What are you doing to do it at your yep. best? Well, and I think the biggest thing that I'm like taking away from our conversation is that we often discount or 
shadow the opportunity we actually have. You have been given a privilege, a position of power and influence as a leader in the fraternity and real life community, even if you were just extended a bid, right? When you're extended that bid, you were extended an invitation to leadership, right? Like, I don't care if you are just a committee <laughs> member for your four yeah. years. That is a it's... tremendous leadership opportunity. And so when you talk about like connecting with the mayor, connecting with big departments on your campus when, I mean, even like the programming that we think is like checking boxes for our national organization or community, like these are making a difference in your members' lives. If it's around sexual assault, if it's around hazing, if it's around mental health, right? This is programming that your members need to be the people that we promise that we are going to cultivate them to be. Um, and I think it just requires us to like have a different perspective of like, I'm not just being a sorority woman because that is like how to increase my status on my college campus. Right. Yeah. This is like an opportunity that I'm taking to change the tra trajectory of not only my life, but the other women who I associate with or the other men that I associate with for the rest of my life. Absolutely. You said it right there. This is going to be something where why, why wait for leadership? You know, you've already been presented this opportunity. So, so go with it and help elevate yourself in a way that maybe you never thought possible. Mm, help elevate yourself in a way that you never thought possible. And I think that often we look at elevation as joining a top tier sorority or like joining like a super competitive fraternity, right? Or yeah. even worse, joining a sorority that associates with a like, I don't know, a socially, um, <laughs> what's the, what is the word I'm looking for? Like a socially high on the tier yeah. fraternity, right? Like a fraternity that's really sought after to like be associated with when probably like that might be a fraternity that has like most of like the risk or harmful behaviors happening that we aren't challenging because yeah. of the status. I think actually this is where we should close. Like, how do we overcome the cultural expectation to climb this yes. fraternity and sorority hierarchy and actually focus on like the membership experience that we are cultivating? I always say to students, like you already graduated high school, leave that thinking behind because it's not going to move you forward in life. And with this opportunity that you've been provided to join a fraternity or sorority. So what are you doing to actually learn about people and get to know them for who they are? Imagine if different groups, fraternities and sororities, they interacted with different groups that maybe they wouldn't have originally. People already think this is an extremely superficial experience. So when we, when we have those conversations about status and about tears and about yeah. this, it's like, what lunch table are you sitting at? Come on, you're done. Right. We have moved on. You are in a university college setting where you are looking to not only improve yourself, but the world that you have decided to be a part of and forward. So we have to just get over ourselves. Like at the end of the day, we have to get over ourselves because the sooner that we do that, the sooner that we can actually make impact and change in the world that we want to see. Oh, that is so good. I have never heard that said before, like leave high school in high school, right? You've like already grown out of that because you don't pursue higher education. You don't pursue like furthering your degree past what's like <laughs> legally expected of you. If you don't want more for your life beyond like a check mark that can like get you a better job, right? There's so much opportunity that comes from these organizations. My dad now 
like brags about the sorority experience because he thinks I learned more from Sigma Kappa than I did from Arizona State. <laughs> um, not totally wrong, um, but like that's the power our organizations have. And if we're limiting it to being more like liked or approved of on campus yeah. for super, for very superficial reasons, like attractiveness or wealth, we aren't enabling ourselves to grow in a way that's going to better equip us for society. Yeah. Don't tell me you want to, you want your membership to look different if you care about the wealth or what people are doing or what they're doing. Like, I'm like, we can't pretend that 2020 didn't happen. We have to keep moving forward. And it's not just links in our, in our pages. Yeah. So good. Well, Guillermo, I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your expertise. I, we really haven't had a conversation like this on the podcast before. And I, I know that our audience craves authenticity and having hard conversations that maybe they don't feel comfortable having with their national organization or their campus community. Um, This is hard stuff to talk about, specifically just like putting it out there around risk management in those events that are actually just parties and we know they are. (laughs) Um, So thank you for being so real today and thank you for being a part of our community. It means the world. It's such an honor to be here and I really appreciate it. Keep up everything you're doing. Sorority Women will continue to change the world. Let's, Let's keep doing it. While these kinds of conversations aren't easy around accountability and moving from tolerating behavior to challenging behavior, I'm really glad Guillermo joined me today to give some insight into the fraternity space and the role that we are playing in it. Not to put any responsibility or ownership of fixing the fraternity problems, but instead the responsibility of calling out behaviors that don't align with what we want of our community. That is our responsibility. Knowing the influence you have, knowing the power you have on your campus, we cannot continue to tolerate or ignore behaviors that are causing harm in our community. I'm sure throughout this episode, many behaviors, activities that are out of alignment with what you want for your community came to mind. As you think of those, I want you to identify just one, one harmful activity, one out of alignment behavior that is hindering your community from being where you want it to be. Whether you are a member of your chapter or a panelonic president, you can do something about it. I want you to decide today one action step that you are going to take to hold one another accountable in your community. If that is utilizing your fraternity and sorority advisor as a resource, talking to another leader in your chapter, I want you to take action, one action today to tap into your power to rebuild your strongest community on your campus. We are always thankful for the opportunity to come alongside you in this season of your sorority journey. Thanks for tuning in to the Your Sorority Journey podcast this week. If this episode left you with any guidance or confidence to navigate your sorority membership, we would love to hear from you. Share a screenshot of this episode on your Instagram story and tag Her Sorority Journey so we can know what resonated with you. Also, be sure to leave a review wherever you listen so more sister friends can find this guidance just like you. Here for you always, sister. 